Praise the Lord, and uh, welcome each and every one of you, and uh, you know, it's gone by so quickly, and I, I want to thank all of you that, that have come out for these meetings, and maybe this is your first one, I want to thank you for coming out tonight, amen, praise the Lord, and uh, you know, part of, part of my job description is to train the saints to have a mindset uh, for leaders, for pastors, for ministers. And very often I get in the Spirit and the Spirit of God keeps saying, train, 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 train. Not just preach and teach, but to train. And uh, I just saw, you know, the things that we're teaching, uh, at least this Word and Spirit uh, semester has a lot to do with training and a proper mindset and having the right perspective and the right attitude. And so I want to commend you for sticking around and actually coming back. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead. And turn with me. Let's go ahead and uh, do, do you have someone that can do the scriptures tonight? And so uh, we'll, we'll start off. We'll have everyone turn to Hebrews chapter 13, but we'll get there. Uh, we have newer people with us all the time. And since this, this is the last, last uh, service of this semester, we, we want to do a little review. Then we got to finish this thing up. And... Uh, the first part of our series, we looked at the prophet preferences and personality, and we looked at a lot of things of what is the Spirit of God, what, what is the person to, to discern between the man and the mantle, and uh, it was the design of God to, human, to use human vessels, and so we have to understand there's a humanity side to every move of the Spirit, and there's also just personal preference. You go to every... In different churches, even the family church, each church operates differently. Why is that? Different gifts, different personalities, different preferences. Is one better than another? No, it's designed towards the ministry gift, and that's just the plan of God. And so, you know, we looked at a lot of those things. We looked at how to judge prophecy, having the right perspective. If we, we get a word that we're not just a swallowed hook, line, sinker, uh, unless it, you know, comes from a foremost prophet of the land, but uh, learning to judge those things and that we have an unction we should be following that unction and the second uh, half of the series we've been looking at responding to leadership and we're going to do a quick review on this real quick for those of you that have been with us know where we've been that way you can hook up with us to go where we're going here tonight um, on the overhead screens Romans 13 1 2 I know I told you Hebrews 13 that's where I want to you all to turn, but uh, this is just a little review. Uh, we looked at this first of all. It says, let every soul, that means everybody, every Christian, be subject to the higher powers or civil or government authorities. For there is no power or authority um, but of God, or institute of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Very clear that God set up government, God set up civil authority. And whoever therefore resisteth the power of the authority resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. And again, we looked at these more in details, but just primarily three things we looked at. And so we saw, first of all, that civil authority was set up by God. And here, uh, in these two verses and actually in the following verses afterwards tells us what our 
attitude should be, our actions. How are we to respond to civil authority or civil leadership? And also, it tells us the repercussions of failing to respond properly. In this case, it says receive themselves damnation. That doesn't mean you're going to hell if you don't respond properly to the government. That word damnation means condemnation or judgment, that uh, failing to respond to civil authority uh, wrongly can bring judgment upon yourself. And we saw that in, in Hebrews 13, three times God calls civil authority or government authority the ministers of God. And so we use this as a starting point. We saw what we're to do, uh, how we're to respond to civil authority, and that just kind of was a segue to, is there spiritual authority? And if so, what should our response be to spiritual authority? And so this is where y'all turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. It's been our golden text for the second semester uh, of this uh, Word and Spirit uh, time. And it says this, Obey them that have rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls, that they may give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And again, as we saw three things with civil authority, we see three things with spiritual authority. Of course, spiritual authority was set up by God. And then in context, it's really easy to see that it is talking about spiritual authority because they give an account for your souls. We know that government doesn't do that. They, they probably don't care less what you do with your soul. And if you listen to a lot of people in government, it, they, they will send you down the path of damnation. So uh, this is a different type of leadership. And of course, we, we can readily see, and we've proven this point, not only with the scripture, other scriptures, this is spiritual authority. And of course, this is set up by God. It uh, tells us to obey and submit ourselves. And so that's what our response should be. Just like with civil authority, we are to submit and obey because God set it up. Same thing with spiritual authority. God set it up, and our response to that spiritual authority, we are to submit and obey. And also here we see a third thing, just like there was repercussions if we failed to submit or obey to civil authority, we bring condemnation or judgment. Here it tells us there are repercussions if we failed to respond correctly to spiritual authority. And uh, it, it said this, uh, a couple things that they, that they can they should do their job. Pastors, spiritual leaders need to do their job with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And so how you respond to spiritual authority eventually affects your own life. That word unprofitable for you means it will affect your life. And so we, we spent quite a bit of time because you don't hear many many teachings along this line. Um, here it, it tells us and gives the command that make sure that our leaders are doing it with joy. And who did Jesus or who did God charge to, uh, to make sure the leaders are doing their job with joy? Not the leader, but the congregation. Well, how, how will a leader uh, do it with joy? Well, a, a good uh, congregation that submits and obeys, takes good care of them, doesn't cause strife and division. We looked at a lot of those things. Then we looked at not with grief. And uh, we saw that word grief means to sigh, to moan, to groan. Oh, man, do I really need to, 
to go to church today. And the wife said, but you got to go to church. You're the pastor, you know, that type of thing, you know. <laughs> Sigh, moan, and groan. Well, doing it not with joy is not profitable for the preacher, but also it's not profitable for the pew. And we looked at that term, I'm profitable for you, because that's what... what affects you if leadership is not doing it with joy, if we don't submit and obey. Um, it, can, it can be interpreted two ways, and both of these ways apply here. Number one, no advantage, meaning no special help or benefit. And we saw that in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus went to his hometown. They didn't receive him as a prophet of God. They didn't honor him. And he could there do no mighty work. Imagine that. Jesus himself couldn't provide any benefit to the congregation. And we know that's true. If you don't uh, honor uh, the house of God, if you don't honor the pastor, if your, your attitude is wrong, you're not going to receive anything from the ministry gift that God sent to bless you. And we looked at those things and we understand those things. But also that word unprofitable. And again, I got, I got probably the foremost study software. I got tens of thousands of dollars of Greek books, commentaries, and so forth. And it's very interesting. Uh, that word unprofitable can be translated hurtful, harmful. It means deplorable circumstances. And even one translation says, it is fatal for you. Now, uh, again, we, we looked at scriptural examples. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. They didn't receive Jesus, and uh, they knew not the time of their visitation, and what happened? Deplorable circumstances. Not one stone was left upon another. The, the, Jerusalem was annihilated as judgment. And of course, you know, we looked at, well, that's Jesus. They reject Jesus. But uh, Jesus said this, whoever receives you, receives me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And what did he tell his followers? Shake off the dust off of your feet. You know, and it'll be more tolerable in the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than anybody that rejects you. And so we, we see that. And so again, uh, there, there's a balance to every subject, but it's important that, that we look at these things because this, the whole Bible is true. Jesus told that to Brother Hagin. I love that. Jesus was told by the Lord to go and teach my people faith. So he taught faith, taught about laying hold of the promises of God. But Jesus appeared to him one time and said, you know, the whole Bible's true, not just the part you preach. And so if it's in the Bible, it's true and applies to our life. And so this scripture is just as important as Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24. And so we want church life. We want our Christianity to be profitable for us. Then we took some time looking at judgment. What kind of judgment? And we looked at it twofold. We looked at it in the congregation. What kind of judgment could come upon them? Um, and it says this in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And so there are causes why people are weak, sickly, and sleep, we, we understand, uh, die prematurely. There, there's a reason. And we, we looked at those reasons. And one of the reasons is not discerning their place in the body of Christ. And we, we gave you plenty of examples. A sheep without a shepherd is scattered. It becomes wolf prey. Uh, a body part severed from the body does not receive the, the nutrients of the body. It cannot survive or thrive and eventually die off. And, and 
the Bible is so clear that we are the body. And so that there, every joint supplieth. And so we can never say, I don't need a local church. I don't need a pastor. Jesus himself told Brother Hagin, if a, a Christian does not have a pastor, that's where the problem is. See, and they're in violation of spiritual law. They're not discerning the Lord's body. And no matter, uh, no amount of prayer will correct that unless they judge themselves and become part of a local flock. And so we looked at that, but also we looked at a ministerial level that uh, we weren't just pointing to people in the pew, we were pointing to the minister. This applies because James 3.1 says a minister will be judged at a higher standard. And uh, we saw this, and God even said, if any man, meaning a minister, hurt the body of Christ, hurt Christians, him will God destroy. And again, that's written to ministers, and so it works both ways. And so tonight... Finally, we've been telling you about it. It's been coming and coming. Tonight, we're finally going to get to something I've been wanting to share all along. I thought I was going to start off with this, but now I'm going to end with it. So my introduction was like four sermons long. And so what I want to look at tonight, and I believe it's important, especially in the day we live in, is what should our response be to spiritual leaders or leadership when our spiritual leaders are wrong. Now I know that you think that could never, ever happen. Well, I understand this church may never happen, but we're talking about other churches. (laughs) Praise the Lord. That was a joke out there. Don't be writing in. Don't be writing in and taking that clip out of context and exposing me. Praise the Lord. But that is an important question. Like we said before, under prophets, preferences, and, uh, you know, just the way God uses people, there's a human element, and uh, humans are flawed. Humans are flawed. Humans aren't perfect. And... uh, and so what I want to do, when it, we, we saw that with spiritual gifts, we saw that even in ministry offices, it'll, a ministry office will pick up the flavor of the person, personality, the preferences. But what I want to look at as we've been studying spiritual leadership is what does God expect us to do when our leader is wrong? I, I, I go to a church my pastor said something wrong, did something wrong. I didn't like it. What should my response be to that before God? Not as an American. And that's something we, we have to learn and discern that, uh, you know, thank God for America. I'm, I'm grateful that I am an American. I, I, I enjoy being an American. But you got to understand that um, certain things that are rights and uh, flows of being a citizen of America is not the flow of the kingdom of God. We're not to think as an American. We're to think as a Christian, a child of God. And that's why we need to have our minds renewed with the Word of God. So what, what does God expect of us? Again, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey them that have rule over you, and submit yourselves. And, for they watch over your souls, that they may give an account, and they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And so we understand this. Very clearly, God set up spiritual authority. 
We are to obey them. We are to submit to them. We're to make sure that, that we make their experience with us joyful and not with grief. But how far does that submission go? Are we to continue to obey and submit when they are wrong? Or if we disagree with them? Or what if they, they've gone into some error? All of these are valid questions. And like everything, we must approach this subject with biblical balance. Because you can go to extreme on any subjects. Uh, prosperity, faith, you, any, you can go to extremes on judgment, you, you can go to extremes. And we want to, to be balanced concerning this. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, if you can just put this on over the screen, unless you have real fast fingers or an e-device, you can find it real quick. It's just a study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, the Word of God has to be studied in order to be rightly divided. And if it has to be rightly divided, that means it can be wrongly divided as well. And so that's why we, we have to study and apply Bible interpretation and not just take a verse out of context, but look at, at it in the light of the whole Bible. My, my personal way of, of, of judging things is number one did Jesus or the apostles teach it do do we have do we have precept and not just one place but at least three places in the Bible and not only uh, precept but also examples do you see Jesus practicing it do you see the apostles practicing it and after that then I looked at brother Hagen did brother Hagen teach it did brother Hagen do that and after that it's pretty well filtered down and uh, and so a lot of things that people are promoting don't go through that filter and so uh but another thing when it comes to to looking at subjects and this is important we, we touched on this a little bit with the prophet and preferences and, and we saw this that just because a prophet is mad doesn't mean that God is mad and uh, Jesus himself said to J James and John, who wanted to call fire down from heaven, he said, you know not what spirit you are of. And so we want also on any subject to, to, to carry it out in the right spirit. So it says in 2 Corinthians 3.6, just put that on over that screen, please. 2 Corinthians 3.6, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And here it says that if you, you, you take anything that's written, that's the letter of the, of the law. You know, it's not just, and notice this able ministry of the New Testament, so it includes the, the New Testament, not just what we consider the law of the Old Testament, that you just take uh, scriptures, you, you can maim people with them. And the wrong spirit, you can hurt, you can kill people with the Word of God. And uh, um, religion has done that. But here it says, the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And so only by having a right spirit and by the Spirit of God can we rightly divide any subject. So with, with this, that's what we want to do is rightly divide. How far does our obedience go? How far does God, an important thing, God, not, not what you think, not what someone else thinks, how far does God want us to obey and respond to leaders when we think 
they are wrong. Now, what I want to do is the mouth of two or three witnesses, and I'm going to build a case for this because uh, the truth may be shocking to you. You know, they ought to put a line in the movie, you can't handle the truth. And so what I want to do, just as a base, is I want us to look at other authority structures that God has set up, clearly set up, and see how we're to respond to them, and how far are we to respond to them. Uh, Especially when it comes to what we would call the gray areas. And so if we can find a pattern that would, will help us to see how God wants us to respond to spiritual authority. And 1 Peter, 1 Peter uh, sheds some amazing light. Uh, actually, the book of James, James and Peter really brings balance to a lot of things concerning grace, faith, and love. Now, does grace, faith, and love need to be balanced? Well, well yes, but when you, you rightly divide it, you know, it, it is balanced. But First uh, Peter talks about things that other people don't want to talk about. James addresses them, but especially First Peter. In First Peter, you read a lot about suffering. And we see God's view upon suffering. We see what true suffering is, and we see what God, how God views suffering, and how our response should be during suffering. And First Peter is like O M G, and you you don't hear a lot of people talking about, especially in faith circles. And uh, but again, the whole. Bible is true. First Peter is just as much as the Bible as the book of Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And so um, we want to look at this. So to start with, we're going to look at, in First Peter, th- three authority structures. And we're going to see where that line is. How, how far does God want us to submit and obey? So First Peter chapter 2, verse 13. And it says this, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to be as to the king as supreme means, I am number one, there's no one greater than me, or as to governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And so, starting in First Peter, Peter begins to talk about authority structures. We saw this in the book of Hebrews. We see it in other chapters in the Bible by other authors. Um, you know, in Romans chapter 13, we saw that civil authority is set up by God. They that resist shall receive damnation, and, and they are ministers of God. And so, um, but the thing I want us to look at here, that in Romans chapter 13, as we looked at it, 
It says, give honor to whom honors do reverence. Pay your taxes. Don't resist the government. If you resist, you'll receive judgment. There is no clause or excuse not to do it. There is no, do this unless this happens. Do, you know, you, you, only to this, this level do you submit and obey. But man, if your government passes that line, then you don't do it. Now, the reason I brought this out is we don't see that in the book of Romans. We don't see it here in 1 Peter. We don't see it anywhere. Now, and I, I remember so, so clear. It makes me smile. Years and years ago, there was a, 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 a movement to undermine the government. You know, buy your bunkers. Maybe it's still going on. Who knows? You know, and that... Uh, it was, there was a movement of anti-government. And we even had a, a lady in our church that, that was sold on that. And so I, I called her in and said, that's fine. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but uh, you keep coming to church. But if you spread that thing, we're going to have a trouble there because it's not scriptural. Well, um, and then I, she started to have Bible studies and invited someone else to the Bible study. So... I just take care of it right from the pulpit. This, this is where I take care of things. That way I stop that infection from spreading. And I, I taught on Romans. I just taught the Bible. It says, government is sent by God. They that resist, resist the ordinance of God. And uh, of course, they were fuming about that, but it's the truth. Then um, this individual's response is, but, but our government is not honorable. Our government is wrong, and we don't need to submit it's wrong. And so I asked her, the government that, that Paul wrote under, the Roman government, were they just? Were they kind to Christians? Were they honorable? Were they supportive? Did they give a lot of money to support Christian works? Just the opposite. Just the opposite. You know, Paul was beheaded and Christians were, were tormented. It was very hard economically, politically, socially for anyone on the Christian because of the oppression of the government. And yet, Paul, Peter, says, obey them. Submit yourselves unto them. And again, that is not very popular with us Americans. Well, bless God, we'll start a rebellion and, and a petition and so forth. Again, we're not talking about the American mindset. We're talking about the kingdom mindset. We want the mind of God. Uh, the government that Paul and Peter wrote uh, killed them both. And yet, he, Paul and Peter said, submit. And they were often cruel and unjust. Now, there is a balance. Remember the spirit... Um, if the letter killeth, the Spirit gives life. Now, how far do we go with submitting to our government? Well, here it says you, you just submit and obey. But we, we have to understand that we, and the Bible is very clear, and we don't have time to show you all the scriptures about this, because uh, we will all be judged by our conscience. Even the lost world will be judged by their conscience. We read this in the book of Romans. That we should never do anything 
that violates our conscience. And, and that needs to be qualified because your conscience can be dictated by knowledge. Because folks said, well, bless God, it's against my conscience to pay taxes. Well, the book says, well, bless God, it's against my conscience to, to submit and, and, and to say, Mr. President, I call him this. And, you know, you lack knowledge. Okay. Now, what I'm talking about is all of a sudden our government says it is illegal to be a Christian. Uh, it is illegal to, to congregate a, 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 as a, a church family. It's illegal to preach the gospel. Well, then we take the stance like the early church, we ought to obey God rather than man. But here is the important factor is how we handle that. Do we handle it in strict rebellion and animosity and, and pride and, and really, uh, really be uh, bullish about that? No, if it comes to that, uh, and our government says you can't be a Christian, congregate, and if we do that, uh, then we simply submit to their punishment without a fight. Oh, no, that's not the American way. You get your guns out, bless God, and you get, you get the bunkers going. See, you're an American and not a Christian. Your mind needs to be removed. With... We have a beautiful example of Daniel. Daniel was highly favored of God. Have you ever even thought about Daniel? Daniel was taken by force from his homeland. Now that, that's bad, but then this, this next part is worse. He was made a eunuch, and people forget about that. His manhood was stolen from him. And he served three or four heathen pagan kings. And yet he was kind, benevolent, and helpful. He obeyed and submitted to every one of them in a good spirit. But then when the decree happened, you know, we understand this, when there was, you cannot pray to any god but the king. You know, some people are jealous, kind of wrote that in, just kind of like pork barrel budgeting, you know, <laughs> like, like happens today. And yeah, we kind of slid that law in, no one noticed, you can't worry. But what would Daniel do? Well, I ought to pay God rather than man. And so he continued to pray. And folks found out about it. Did he resist arrest? Did, did he start a petition, start a riot? No. He submitted to the punishment. And because he submitted to that punishment, God was able to deliver him. Because he had a right spirit. All right? Again, the Spirit of God's train. See, we have to adjust our mindset. Of course, you guys are so gracious, wonderful. It's all you out there that I'm trying to help. Amen. Nowhere does it give us a, a clause not to give honor, not to submit and obey our government. But we have great examples of it. Great, great examples. The early, early church was arrested. And when they got arrested, they had the prison ministry. Angels would break them out. See, if, you know, if he, they submitted, they got beaten. They thought, glory to God, I got beaten for the name of Jesus. They got thrown in jail. And angels delivered. And just the gospel was further. You, you don't see them, you know, 
protesting in the streets. No. And so, again, we're talking about authority. God's view. God says, obey and No wiggle room if, if they're unjust. And, of course, we, the, the, the whole history of the Bible, many times, you know, Daniel was under unjust ministrations. Here, Peter and Paul were killed under unjust administrations and yet taught by the inspiration of God. Submit and obey. Give honor. And when they submitted even to their punishment in a good spirit, God was able to deliver them and God was glorified through the whole thing. Okay. Number one, civil authority. No wiggle room. Next, Peter deals with employer-employee relationship in 1 Peter 2, 18 through 23. Servants, and again, mindsets, thinking kingdom, not thinking American, thinking kingdom. And again, I love America. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. But I'm a Christian above being an American, Okay. Servants, be subject to your own masters. And there we get that word, subject. With all fear, it means reverence. Not only good and gentle, but to the forward. For this is thankworthy of man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if you be buffeted for your faults and take it patiently? But if you do well and suffer for it, take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. I can't believe he said that. I... For whereunto you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example that we should follow. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he reviled not against. And when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. I could have took the whole hour just looking at this. It is so rich and so contrary to the mindset that is prevalent. All right. So after talking to civil authority, no wiggle room, how to handle civil authority, now we look at employer, employee. Of course, here it says master, slaves. Of course, we don't have master, slaves. We do have employer, employees. The same principle applies. Uh, if we work for someone, what are we to do? We are to submit and obey just like we do to our government. We do this spiritually. We submit and obey. Paul says we are to serve our employers as unto the Lord. Colossians 3, 22 through 23 says, Servant, obey in all things your masters, according to flesh, not with eye services, men pleasers, but in a single heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. Very often we take 23, verse 23 out and apply it to other areas, but it's talking to the workplace. You have to understand how you, how you serve your employer is how you serve Jesus. And if you're called the ministry and you're slacking at work, you're not qualified for the Lord's ministry. You, you serve your employer and signals of heart as unto the Lord. And before I got in ministry, I, I served uh, other men, other people. And I knew that how I serve them will determine if God would ever allow me to be in ministry. So I served them as I served Jesus. I gave them 110% and, and, and so forth. And there's a lot we can look at that. Now, we understand that. So we either submit, obey, in a workplace. But Peter brings out something very interesting. Verse 18, servants obey and be subject to all your masters with all fear. 
Yes, okay, we can do that. Not only the good and gentle, you know what that means? The great bosses, the wonderful bosses, sweet, the kind, the beneficial, the, 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 the ones that compliment you and say, good job, good job, employee. But also the forward. What is forward? Well, yeah, that's the thing on the tape. You go reverse and you go forward. That's why we need to study the Word of God. In the Greek, the word forward is scoliosis or scolios. It's where we get the term scoliosis, mean curvature of the back. And the word simply means crooked, a crooked back. So, Peter says, be subject, serve your employers as in the Lord, not just nice ones and wonderful ones, but the crooked ones. You look at these meanings in Greek, crooked, hard, harsh, unjust. Employers that make it difficult, causing frustration, unhappiness, and disagreement. You know what most young people do today? If they have a forward boss, they quit. They, well, now they don't even quit. They don't even work anymore. They don't show up. And the Bible says, if you don't work, neither shall eat. All right. But anyway, we, we, we don't have time to meddle on that thought. But here it says, you submit and obey. You serve as in Lord, even to the hard, crooked, unjust bosses. That's in the Bible. How many know that's not the American way? But are you American or are you a Christian? So we are to serve as the Lord even if the boss is unjust, crooked, or difficult. That's why we have to get our minds renewed. Then Peter explains his un- unreasonable instructions. Verse 19. For this is thankworthy when you serve an unjust, crooked, makes your life difficult boss. If a man for conscience towards God endure grief. Remember, we're not to give our, our, our pastor's grief. But here, if you serve someone that uh, is unjust, it'll give you grief. And you may even suffer. No, we can't suffer. But here, you'll, you'll even suffer wrongfully. But the Bible says, when you suffer under an unjust boss like that, it is thankworthy. You know what that means? Praiseworthy. You get commended of God when you do that. You see how foreign that is? Yeah. He goes on to explain, verse 20, and again, I wish I had time, but, but I'm not even getting to where I want to get in 30, 40 minutes. For what glory is it if you be buffeted, buffeted for your faults? And you take it patiently. That means the boss gets on your case, makes it difficult so you don't show up on time. You're not doing your work. He, he or she yells, maybe uh, docks pay. This is what the Bible says. You deserve that. I'm sorry you got your little sensitive feelings hurt, but you're, you're a lousy worker. You deserve that, you know. But if you do well and suffer for it and take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. That means when your boss doesn't recognize you, is hard on you, hard, and you're doing right, you're serving to the Lord, and he gets on you for no reason just because he's crooked and unjust, and you smile and you serve unto the Lord and say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. 
God says, that's praiseworthy. That's commendable. And that is acceptable with me. God is not schizophrenic. This is the God of the Bible. I mean, you know, this is in the Bible. I'm not twisting it. I'm telling you how it is. All right? Peter then talks about tough suffering, which is not a very popular subject today. Verse 21, in context, he's talking about suffering under a crooked, unjust boss as you're serving the Lord. You're doing right, and, and you're getting slack for it. For even here until we were called... Because Christ suffered for us, leaving an example that we should follow in the steps. What example? Suffering. Who did no sin, neither guile was the mouth. How many know Jesus suffered, but he didn't do anything wrong? So he's saying when you do everything right for employer and you suffer for it, you're following Jesus' example of suffering. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him to judge us righteously. So, you serve a hard, harsh boss, you don't quit. Now, unless God leads you, of course. God tells you. Only God could tell you on that. Just because it's hard doesn't mean you're to leave because you'll never develop your character. You'll never grow unless you experience hardships and sufferings. And I don't have time because I, I got to get somewhere. But this is what gets God's eye. That's why Daniel got God's eyes. Because he suffered. You know, being a eunuch and serving and, and even one king put him in the corner, you know, and then when he really needed, brought him out and said, what, what's the hand running the wall mean? And, and just was honorable to everyone and got God's eyes and uh, God, God's attention. And we're to be like Jesus. Jesus didn't do anything wrong, but yet he suffered for it. He, he was ridiculed for it. And in, in context, is when that happens at work, you say, glory to God. You're like the apostles. You suffered just like Jesus suffered. And that's thankworthy to God. Again, Christian suffering is not sickness and disease. Christian suffering is when you do right and you're not recognized or if you suffer for it and you take it patiently. That's Christian suffering. Now, I got something put in your pulpery pot to smell. Listen to the Weiss com commentary. The slaves or employees were, who put themselves in subjection as well to the forward, and we saw that was crooked. Their Greek word means unfair, surely, and forward. The word forward is from the English section word means adverse. The masters had their faces dead set against Christian slaves. We can understand their attitude when we remember that these slaves' lives were singular purity, meekness, honesty, willing to serve, and obedient to the households of these heathen masters. This was a powerful testimony for the gospel and brought the, the masters under conviction. All this irritated them, and they reacted in the most unpleasant way towards their slaves, whom they punished without provocation. Yet they did not want to sell the Christian slaves and buy pagan ones, for the Christian slaves served them better. So they had to make the best of the situation. Yeah. See, if you're a Christian, you ought to be the number one employee where you're working at. I mean, you ought to be that, man, we, we don't want you to go. I mean, you're serving, you're serving. Again, Christian suffering. Verse 19 the word this, 
in the Greek means this thing, mainly obedience to masters who are hard and harsh, and be patient under unjust punishment. Uh, thankworthy, the translation from Greek refers beyond the ordinary course of what is expected, and therefore it's commendable. An unsaved slave would react towards an unjust punishment in a surely rebellious and vindictive manner, like most Americans do. That would be expected as the ordinary thing. But Peter exhorts that these Christian slaves, being obedient to these unjust and cruel masters, when punished unjustly, behave with meek and patience and forgiving manner, would be an action beyond the ordinary course of what is expected, and therefore it's commendable, and thus for concert God, and it would convict the masters. And, uh, and the Greek thankworthy means that this receives praise, honor, and combination of God. And there, there's so much, but my time is slipping away. Because that's only two witnesses. Government, no wiggle room. Employers. They're hard, harsh. Submit and obey. A beautiful opportunity to suffer. Now, the third area. I, I, I'm, I'm probably going to go late tonight. And so if you have to go, you have to go. The third area he talks about is the home and marriage. Now, if you want to go, this is where you want to go. (laughs) And again, context of authority and submission. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. Likewise, you wives... Be in subjection. There's that word again. Subject to our government. Subject to our boss. Wives subject to their own husbands. That if any obey not the word, they may without the word may be won by the conversation or conduct of their wives. While they behold your chast conversation couple of fear. So a wife is under the authority of her husband in the home. Like all other authorities, a wife must be subject or submit. Now, Peter, again, goes off on the deep end. (laughs) Wives, you do this even if your authority, your husband, is not obeying the word. That means they're they're not saved, or they're not doing their part as husbands, fulfilling their, their, their part of the covenant. A wife's subjection is not dependent on the authority doing their part right. Just like the government... Just like the employer. There, there's no wiggle room. They don't do their right. Therefore, I have my rights and I do my own thing. Every single authority, you don't get to do your own thing. I'm glad I've got one response back there. Will this cause suffering? Absolutely. It's very hard on flesh and mind. God certainly wouldn't want us to do that suffer. Well, if you read First Peter, when you handle it right, and a meek patient, quiet spirit, it's a great price in the sight of God. All right. Why does the Lord require this? That if any obey not the word, may also without the word may be won by the conversation wise. Why they behold your chast conversation coupled with fear. Doing your part, submitting sweetly, kindly, and patiently to a forward husband It may cause the husband to be convicted. Remember the employers to be convicted? It'll cause the husband to be convicted while they behold this is beyond the norm. 
God is in you of a truth. But you know what most American women do? Get the frying pan. Get the divorce papers. Return railing for railings. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But is, is that, that may be the American way, but it's not the Christian way. That's not what God requires. It says if they obey not the word. Again, Polly Wigglesworth. Being sweet and kind when, when Smith was backslidden and kicked her out of the house. You know, most American women would have went to the lawyer and says, I'm filing for divorce. And would have been on Facebook, my husband, that idiot. Look what he did. And then get a petition, maybe a GoFundMe, you know, to get my salary for a year. What would Polly Wigglesworth do? You know, and again, I, I'm just rushing through. She slept all night as she was kicked out of the house on, on the, the front door. And the morning as he went to work, she, she, she woke up, fell on his feet, and she got up and kissed him, make you breakfast, dear? And that submission, that sweetness, that kindness turned Smith and became a worldwide evangelist. Do you see a pattern here? Government? Employers? Home? Yeah. Suffering. Now, 48 minutes. Now I'm going to talk about how to supply to civil authority. All right, 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 1, the elders which are among you I exhort, who well, I'm also an elder, the witness of the sufferings of Christ, also partaker of the Lord shall be revealed. Now he talks to elders, meaning spiritual leaders. He says, I'm an elder. So he's talking about ministers, spiritual authority. So the reason I bring out verse 1 to see in context, what is he talking about spiritual authority? And the following verses, he gives a charge to those in spiritual authority. And after charge, after he charges those in spiritual authority, he charges those under that spiritual authority. Verse 5, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Okay, submit yourselves to the spiritual authority. And of course, we saw obey and submit those that rule over you, you know, so forth. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, His authority structure, and exalt you in due time. So, civil authority submit. Employers submit. Wives submit. Even if they're not quite right. Here it says, uh, submit and obey. Okay? The same examples of sufferings. You know, really, spiritual authority is a higher authority than civil authority. You know? And, and the same thing, the same rules that you see with government, that you see with um, employers, you see with home life, that we are to be subject one to another. All right. And again, we're going to see here, um, there, there's suffering at times when you're, you're subject. Suffering, wow, well, it's hard on the mind, hard on the flesh, and it's hard on your pride. And notice um, what he calls being subject, being submitted. You know what he calls that? Humility. What does he call resistant to authority? 
He calls it pride. He says, be subject with all humility. But God resists the proud. We pride ourselves in America. We pride in our opinions and our voice. God resists that. A wife says, bless God, I'm not going to take this. Let's go to divorce court. God calls that pride. A person says, um, I, I'm going to rebel against the government. I'm going, to do my, I'm going to start petitions. I'm going to march in the street. God calls that pride. A person that, that uh, talks bad about their employer and, and uh, doesn't give 100% and, and feels a right and says, up yours, my boss. God calls that pride. Humility subjects. Pride rejects. Okay? It's all in context. And there's, there's a great need of humility in the body of Christ. There's a great need with American Christians. God resists the proud. And he tells us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. What is the mighty hand of God here? The authority structure. When we submit to our government, we are submitting to the mighty hand of God. The powers that be God is set up. They that resist shall receive damnation. Humility submits. Pride resists. With, with, uh, in the ployer. That not only the good, but the forward. The crooked judge, you submit, you honor them, and even suffer from their hands, and you just do it kind. That is humility submits. Pride resists and turns against them. Same thing in the home. When they obey not the word, maybe won by the, the Bible calls a quiet and meek spirit, which is, in a great, which is a great price. That is humility. God says, you walk in humility, I give you grace. But you're prideful and so bless God, you idiot husband of mine. Uh, God resists that. Those same laws apply to spiritual leadership. And as you humble yourself, God will always take care of you. We saw all this. God took care of Daniel with the government. When, when you submit to an authority, God will protect you because you're humble. Grace can come. God can turn things around and give a testimony to the gospel. When, when a wife is sweet and kind to her forward husband, God can use that to turn her husband around. Humbling yourself may cause suffering. But when you humble that, God takes care of you and He exalts you in due time. It is never our job to judge those in authority. Never our job. What is our job? To judge ourselves. Okay. Now, after 55 minutes, I'm now going to say what I wanted to say all along. Okay. We have a perfect example of this in David. Acts 13.22 says, And when he had removed him, meaning Saul, he raised up David to be their king, to whom he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which f shall fulfill all my will. 
David had God's heart. He had the com, uh, commendation of God, the, the thankworthiness of God, and he did his will. David served a government under Saul. He served an employer under Saul. He served a spiritual leader under Saul. A king in Israel was all three of those. So everything we looked at, of course, David was not married to Saul. That's one thing that didn't apply there. All right. You study King Saul. Was he the good, gentle, kind, civil authority, employer, spiritual leader? No. He threw spears. He threw spears. He had a wrong spirit upon him. He was forward, unjust, crooked. He made things difficult for David. How did David respond? Well, bless God, you threw a spear at me, I throw a spear at you. He got on his Facebook and said, Saul, be careful. That man is off. He's doing this. I'm, 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 I'm filing a petition. Let's get Saul out and David in. Vote for David. David in. There's a lot of people who do that in ministry today. They promote themselves. And they, they think they're, they're doing themselves service. No, God says that's pride. Satan t- tried to take something that didn't belong to him. No man can receive anything else given him from heaven. You humbled yourself. Only God can give you positions. And David knew that. Thank God David was an American. David had a heart after God. In 1 Samuel chapter 24 through 26, we don't have time, but visit it sometime. Over five times, whenever Saul did him wrong, his response says, I will not stretch my hand against God's anointed. He understood. It's not my part to judge the leader. It's my job to submit. Was David suffering submitting? Yes, suffering even with his life. Did God take care of him? Yes, because he had the right spirit. He humbled himself. Even when his companions say, smite him, he says, I'm not going to do it. See, David understood God's heart. He understood spiritual laws. His job was not to correct or expose his leader. His job was to do his job. He knew if he would do his job to submit and be kind and never speak a word against the king, that God would turn it around. David sums up his understanding, and, and would to God that we would understand this. In 1 Samuel, this put, put up there, 1 Samuel 26, 9 through 11. And David said to Abishai, who wanted to smite Saul, Destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against God's anointed and be guiltless? Stretching hand means word, deed, rebellion. David said furthermore, as the Lord liveth, and the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, he shall descend and battle perish. David said, when it comes to his corruptness, his unjustness against me, That's not mine to touch. 
Only God can judge them. And whatever a man sows, God's going to take care of him. It's not, I can't touch that. I cannot touch that with my lips. I cannot touch that with my actions. I got to let that go. God will take care of it. In verse 11, And the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take thou the spirit from his border and a cruise of water, let us go. This understanding made David great in the eyes of God. Do you understand how to respond to authority? His job was not to correct it. His job was not to expose it. His job was to submit and obey and suffer for it. And he knew if he did his part, God would take care of the authority's part. And God did. If David would have been like so many Americans. Now again, I, I love America, but the America spirit is not a Christian spirit. If David was like many Americans, well, bless God, let's overthrow Saul, let's start a revolution, let's, let's you know, throw spears back. If David ever became king, we don't know if he'd ever become king. Anyone that took that position died prematurely. Because God resists the proud. His kingdom would have been limited and would have been a lot of dysfunction because whatever you sow, you reap. You, you sow rebellion like that, you're going to reap rebellion. His kingdom would have been limited or even jeopardized. You, you, may, have, you may have, just like Uzzah, touched the ark, touched something that shouldn't be touched, and he would have died. So, when it comes to authority, it's not our judge, not our job to judge. What is our job? To submit and obey. We submit and obey with sweetness and kindness. God will take care of authority. And if, what if we suffer? God says, that's commendable. You're willing to suffer for me for conscience sake, doing what's right. I call that humility. I can help the humble, but I resist the proud. Now, I, I've told my boys, you know, and my girls too, but, uh, you know, in training for pastors, and all of them quote this, God will test your heart by the weakness of your leaders. Every, because leaders aren't perfect. And whenever a leader does something less than perfect or something you don't agree with, and it rubs you wrong or you disagree, that there, what you do with that will test your heart before God. Whether you have a heart of David or heart of Absalom. You read the story about Absalom. He tried, he, he tried the rebellion and he never made the kingdom and he died prematurely. And yet, we see this. I've been part of two ministries with Kenneth Hagin, with Dr. Ed Dufresne, and it's amazing how many ministers violate this. They didn't agree, agree with it. They start rebellions. They start talking. And this cause sedition. Every one of them, they suffer for it. They stretch their hand to God's anointed. You agree with them or not. Your job is God hooked you up. You submit and you obey. And, and if you do your part, God, God's job is to judge authority, not you. Now, thank God, America, we can vote in. Now, we agree, we agree with that. We're thankful for that. But when it comes to, to spiritual things, 
Our, our job is to submit and obey. And this is a test of our, are we willing to suffer? I'm willing to be uncomfortable in these areas. I tell you, the, great, the greatest thing for your character is suffering. That's what Peter, Peter said. All right. 1 Peter 2.21 For even here unto are you called. Yes, I'm called to be a man of God, a woman of God, to prophesy, to pray, to change. No. Here we're called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example that we should follow in steps. What example? Suffering. Who did no sin, neither guile was found in his mouth. Didn't do anything wrong. Yet he was reviled, and he didn't revile back. He, he suffered, and he threatened not. Jesus was an example. Jesus submitted to, to, to the Pharisees' authority. And they were wrong and unjust. And God says, the Bible says, go follow suit. And notice this, he committed himself to him, judges righteous. We saying, I got to do my job. God will take care of the authority's job. It's God who judges them. If I submit in a sweet spirit. All right. Now, balance. Of course, if a leader goes in false doctrine, I mean, there is a balance to this thing. You know, like cults uh, demand blind obedience. That, first of all, God has placed everybody in the body as it pleased Him. Most people's rebellion is not based on false doctrine. It's just they got offended. They got hurt. God led them to a church. They got offended. The pastor didn't shake his hands. Or Sister Susie was too sweet and said something shouldn't. And they leave the church. Ah, pride. Arrogancy. All right, but there is a balance. Of course, you never submit one physical harm, even in marriage, if you're physically harmed. You know, God, God has called us to peace in such cases. So the thing, the key here, we have an unction from the Holy One. You know all things. Too many of us are led by God in a marriage, to a place of work, to a church. We're led of God and offense leads us out. When we're led by offense, we're led of the devil. Only God. Will God join together? Only God put us under. You know, in marriage, you know, if things aren't working out, God's called you peace. But you got, God's got to lead you, not you lead you. In a job that's hard. God got me this job. Job me got, got me the job. Three weeks later, you quit. Oh, it was hard. I have words that I don't want to say about you, but the Bible says it. <laughs> you lack growth. You lack character. You lack stamina. Yeah, you're a baby. You got little hurt feelings hurt. Suffering's good for you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably won't get invited to many churches to preach on this. But it is. 
Instead of Jesus, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Suffered. Not for his own faults, but submitted and was rejected, ridiculed, called names for doing what was right. We're called. We do our job, sweet spirit. And it's thankworthy me, it's not normal. By this, people know you're Christians. Yeah. Well, I better stop. All right. Okay. Only God can lead you out. And if God leads you out, how do you leave? You don't talk about it. You don't, you don't get followings. You know, I left the church, you know, and the pastor does this. That. You read the things that God hates. God hates that because Satan did that. He hates when, when people leave churches and start talking to other people. Or you get offended over your pastor, offended over your spiritual dad, your mother and father, and you start talking to other pastors. God hates that. It's one of the seven things that hate caused a division amongst the brethren. Yeah. Put that in your pulpery pot and smell it. Now, I spoke that by the prophet's office dealing with issues. Ah. See? Now we learn how to think right. That's why the Spirit God's trained them. Too many people are trained in American ideology. We need to be trained as having the mind of Christ. Yeah. All right. I'm going to shut my Bible. It is shut. I can shut my Bible. I don't think I can shut me. Woo. But I got it out. And what you do with it, know this, you'll stand before God. I mean, you know, what I taught is in the Bible. You know, I had to take time to show every authority. Submit. There's no wiggle room. Your boss is horrible. Perfect. And I've said this, people ought to have the privilege of having someone throw spears at them. To show them what kind of character and Christian you are. Yeah. To suffer wrong and to just smile sweetly and never say an unkind thing about them. God says, that's thankworthy. That's a man after my own heart. Well, thank you, Jesus. Every pastor needs to place to the congregation. Well, it might be a little hard for most congregations. But anyway, but we're, we're training leaders. But you young people get this. If you, you want to be a man and woman of God, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Suffering. God led the children of Israel. Want to get in the promised land. Through the wilderness. And it said this. I allowed you to suffer. I allowed you to be in want. Because that's the only way I know what was in your heart. And notice they complained, they murmured when things were rough and they suffered. And they rebelled against their authority. How well did that go for them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Well, what do we do after that? (laughs) Oh, I know one thing he said this afternoon, but let's just see if there's anything else.
let's just change gears. Let's just pray in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, this afternoon, as I was waiting on the Lord, uh, the Lord says, just minister to everyone and bless them. And so if, if you'd like just to be ministering, my wife and I will minister. And just to bless you, this is the end, the end of the semester. You, you've endured hardness as a good soldier. Amen. Listening to me and uh, so forth. But again, we're training. The Spirit of God gives training. Not just teach training. We're training a mindset. And so, if you'd like to be ministered to, he said, just minister to any, everyone that would like to. And my wife will, will assist.